Welcome back to This Week in it Film. Worked. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Panonto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how is it going? It is going okay, Nick. How are you? That is terrific. I am super happy to hear it. I am also good. I have seen three movies today. Holy cow. Did you hurt your back yeah. again? No. Oh. I just woke up early, so I had time. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah. I saw one movie. Oh, what was it? I watched a movie called Lake Mungo. Oh, I don't know anything about that. Well, then, you will. <laughs> Stay tuned. I watched three movies. I saw Shazam! Oh. From 2019. Okay. I saw Disney's Penguins from 2019. Oh. And I watched Wonder Woman Bloodlines from 2019. That's a cartoon, isn't it? It is. All right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Which one would you like to start with? I guess I'll start with Penguins. I don't really have a whole lot to say about it. No, not a lot um, of twists and turns? N n not really. It's pretty straightforward, and it basically... Did you ever see March of the Penguins? Yeah. It's that movie, ah, but with okay. but with different penguins this time. And, and instead of Morgan Freeman's voice, we get Ed Helms, Who's which that? is... Uh, he was on The Daily Show for a while. He was on The Office. Oh, yeah. He's got kind of beady eyes. I don't know. He wears glasses. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. And he's, he's fine. He's One the narrator of this Colbert. movie. This movie is about the Adele penguins, who are smaller than Emperor penguins by about half. And... It's the story of this one penguin that we call Steve and him beginning his adult life as a penguin. And it's a tough life out there for a penguin. Penguins have it pretty, pretty rough. I'll, I'll give them that. They are tenacious at worst. I enjoyed this movie. Wait, it was what, what are they at their best? Gods amongst oh, okay. fish. <laughs> it was, it's pretty good. It's really kid friendly. Like this is a movie for when you go to the theater and you want to bring your kids to see something that you know you will have no problems with not paying attention to. So I watched this with one of my two-year-old daughters today and it held her attention for about the first hour and there was about 16 minutes left to it at uh -huh. that point when she got bored and walked away i was pretty happy with that that's that's a pretty good accomplishment for a movie with a two-year-old and um fair enough basically this is the story of this one penguin named steve who starts a family during the mating season of penguins and it's it's pretty charming it's nowhere near as good as march of the penguins and i think most of that is because it's so kid friendly in march of the penguins penguins are dying left and right yeah that's true and kind of upsetting i guess if you were a little kid to to see it but it's nature you know like i mean this this is what happens and this movie kind of brushes around all that it discusses it but it dances around it these little penguins are the prey of some seabird that lives around them and it basically spends its time picking off the young like it picks the smallest and and weakest and will feed it to their babies and they don't show any of that except for at one point they show one of the birds stealing a penguin egg which is sad and you know i'm not saying that i was just there for the graphic animal on animal violence but 
It, it would have brought a, a level of... But it would have been great if they threw in a leopard seal. Oh, no, they, they show up. Oh, okay. <laughs> the leopard shield. Leopard shield. Leopard shields. Leopard seals. That's hard to do. Leopard seals are, are the climax of the movie. Oh. Uh. Yeah. They fight this seabird. They fight killer whales. And then they have to fight the leopard seal. And by fight, I mean Escape. adorably run away from uh-huh. <laughs> I was just about to ask. <laughs> How are they fighting if it doesn't get violent? Yeah. And it's not until the end of the movie when they're fighting the leopard seals that they show any penguins die. It was at that point that I had decided, well, we're not going to see any penguins die, so I don't need to emotionally prepare my child for anything. And then a leopard seal grabs a penguin by the leg and pulls it under, and sad music plays. And I go, oh my god. (laughs) It's like every other Was that after she had walked away? No, she was still on board for that. Oh, no. And so all the other times, like when their killer whales are chasing them, there's ominous music playing, and I'm going, "Uh uh-oh. I don't know if Steve is going to make it. He's in trouble out there. He's all by himself. You know, just trying to like... Is this you warning yourself that you might have to talk to your daughter? Or is that you talking to your daughter? No, that's me talking to her. Okay. And then there's this other part where the Steve penguin gets isolated from the other penguins during a terrible winter storm and the wife penguin is at home waiting for him to get back and she's slowly getting buried by snow and this one penguin's just out walking by himself in this horrible blizzard and you're like oh i don't know if steve's gonna make it home to mommy (laughs) and then he does and you're like oh all right that's that's good that's good we didn't have to see a, a a frozen penguin but but the character that they make the steve penguin yeah is not the same penguin that we're following the whole movie. That's just the, like the narrative that they uh-huh. that they lay on top of the movie because I I specifically was looking at the feathers on this one penguin. Like you know they're black and white cuz they wear tuxedos cuz they're fancy. Yeah. But the feathers on this one penguin kept changing on on its underarms and I'm like, "Oh, okay. We're just shooting whatever penguin here and pretending that that's Steve <laughs> today." And Ed Helms is doing this He's doing a narration of the movie, but he's also the voice of Steve, like Steve's inner thoughts. Uh, and it's funny sometimes. Uh, for the most part, it's it's you know really kid-centric. I think my favorite part of the movie is when, I guess these penguins, they when they get to their mating grounds, they have to pick out a spot of land, and then they have to go collect rocks to make a nest. And then when the females arrive later... That's how they choose their mate. And Steve is like going around collecting these rocks and putting it into his nest. And then there's one, this one asshole penguin who's like watching for when he leaves. And then he just goes over to Steve's pile and steals his rock. What a jerk. (laughs) Oh my God. It was, I was dying. I was dying. Also, there's one part when, when the baby penguins who are adorable, uh, one of the baby penguins throws up and that is hysterical. I I died at that too. But overall, it's it's a really kid friendly documentary. The penguins are cute, and uh, it's only an hour and fifteen minutes. So what? Check it out. What's so funny about a baby penguin vomiting? I don't see what's not funny about it. Oh, because one, the way penguins eat. Perhaps if you're unaware, penguins eat by their parents have to go out to the sea to get fish because where they live on land there's there's no food so they got to go out to sea to get fish and they eat it 
And if you've never looked up on the internet a picture of the inside of a penguin's mouth, imagine what the gateway to hell looks like, because it's the scariest thing you've ever seen. How something so terrifying could be inside this adorable seabird thing. Okay. And so the penguin comes back from the sea with its belly full of food and proceeds to throw up into its own mouth so that the babies can eat it. Right. So the babies the babies are eating its food and this one baby eats too much and she basically spits up, but they do it. It's in slow motion and the baby like walks away from the dad and she like turns around and starts her mouth starts opening and you're like, oh, she's about to throw up. <laughs> she just goes, yeah, yeah, and then all this fish guts start flying out of her mouth <laughs> in slow motion. <laughs> oh. I was laughing. My two-year-old was laughing. We went back and watched it three times. And then the the, the Ed Helms bird walking away going, uh, Mom bird, the baby threw up all over itself. I'm going to go hang out with the fellas. Goodbye. <laughs> and it's, it's cute. It's funny. Okay. It's realistic. Well, I did look up a picture of an inside of a penguin's mouth, and it is pretty terrifying. Yeah. Check that out. Like there are a bunch of lines of teeth. It's just like spikes all the way down or whatever it is. Yeah. Holy cow. It's like the bottom of that level in Mortal Kombat of the pit where you the, do like the uppercut at the end and then they fall to their death. Yeah. Well, if you look at the, uh, the inside of a leatherback sea turtle's mouth too, that's pretty. That's like take that up a few notches. Same idea. Lots of teeth. Raise the creep factor. Oh my god. There you go. That is that is the stuff of nightmares. Uh-huh. It's like seven sharks were trying to form inside this turtle's mouth. Yeah. Why does this exist? I don't know. <laughs> I guess fish are uh cuz they eat fish too, you know. So maybe fish are something that you need a lot of teeth to uh to hold on to. Imagine if you got a sore throat. Oh, one of my teeth is digging into my throat today one of my 900 teeth that look like thorns <laughs> yeah exactly they do look like thorns <laughs> it looks like at the worst cave you've ever been in yeah well, well that's all i have for penguins <laughs> okay fair enough that's uh, the end of animal mouth corner stay yeah. tuned next week when we discuss the leopard uh okay yeah i i, I imagine it looks pretty normal it's a big cat. It's probably a lot better than a leatherback sea turtle's mouth. The other movie that I saw is Shazam. Okay. Which you have you, you do have to say it like that because there's an exclamation point at the end of it, yeah, of its official will. title. And this movie was pretty okay. Oh, you I was, sound kind of disappointed. I was pretty disappointed because there are moments of greatness in this movie. Moments where like it really nails what I think it was trying to do. We should probably then, spoiler alert on this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert for Shazam. If you're interested in a non-spoilery review, check out Midwest Matt's review from, I don't know, when did this come out? April? Sounds May? about right. A few weeks back. Check that out. It's it's up there. But we're, we're going to spoil it since we have both now finally seen it. So Shazam, it's tonally all over the place. Yeah, and, that's true. And that's... And that's like its real biggest problem. Like it doesn't, it seems like the main characters were supposed to be much younger than they are. And I think you said that in your review of the movie uh -huh. where it seems like they're supposed to be like 11 or 12 instead of 
14 and 15, it really comes through like that where they do a bunch of like silly stuff, but it's 15 year old kids. I don't think would be doing that. That feels true right now. Yeah. That they had them do a lot. That seems more immature in some ways. I do like the way they handle the fact that it exists in the DC universe where the kid is a big fan of Batman and Superman. And he's got memorabilia from when Superman got shot with a bullet. It's like some flattened bullet. He has a certificate of authenticity and he has a batarang for some reason, but I don't think it's authentic. They refer to these other DC heroes just kind of in passing and i'm just like oh i, I kind of like how this movie exists in that universe but they're not really a part of it also this movie takes place in philadelphia which i didn't know now philadelphia is like half an hour from where i live and i had no idea that they filmed shazam there yeah. i had no clue and if if you talked about that in your review it went completely over my head i don't think i did philadelphia is a real city and yeah, it's not metropolis in the, right in dc universe there's all kinds of fake cities yeah like what what's up with that that doesn't make any sense that's a good point and I imagine that they just got like a good deal, like tax wise or tax break wise for shooting a film in Philadelphia. Or one of the legal things is that it has to take place in Philadelphia. So the movie starts off with a police officer eating cheesesteaks. So, you know, that has to happen. But overall, I found this movie pretty disappointing. I was really hoping for a kind of a lighthearted but fun adventure movie from this. And you kind of get it, but you really. There are some moments where you're just left, why are we doing this? It's kind of like in between the depressing family stuff and the uh, horror moments. Yeah. The whole opening sequence of the movie where the bad guy gets transported to Dismond Husson's cave, and he's basically just picking random people to be the new Shazam. You sort of testing whatever. them out. Yeah. Like, are and, you worthy? Like, oh, no, you're not. You're not worthy? All right, see you later. And this kid's like, oh, but I'm a nerd. My brother picks on me. Oh, no. I freaked out in, in the car while my dad was driving, and now he's there's a bad car accident for some reason, and now he's paralyzed, and my brother's still a dick. And that's his motivation for being a villain, is that he got a taste for power and will do anything to get it. That whole opening sequence is really just a waste of time. Because well, we get that same sequence again when he when the bad guy finds the doorway to the Shazamiverse, and then when the Billy Batson gets pulled into it, we get that scene one more time. Why did we have this whole beginning sequence if we're going to see it three times in the movie? It's just a, a waste. And then the the fact that the bad guy is powered by the seven deadly sins that all are exactly the same. Well, one of them, like the fat one is got like a great big mouth and one of them's got four arms and wings. So they're totally different. Oh, yeah. Which they're all, one? They're all they're all very which, unique. Which, oh. which one's got four arms and wings? Oh, there's there's all wingy and <laughs> and then four arms and the fat one who I assume is gluttony. <laughs> but the fact that they're based on the seven deadly sins doesn't matter nope. at all not at all i mean there's only one brief mention of it when he murders his father and he's like oh you're greedy hey greedy eat eat my dad 
uh, okay, I'll, I'll see you in the elevator. And then he goes in the elevator after murdering that whole room of innocent people. And after he murders his brother, <laughs> he just throws him out a window and he gets in the elevator. And when he got in there, I went, oh, we're going to have, you know, he just had this powerful ish sequence where he's declaring himself to be like this supervillain and he just murdered his father. And now he's going to get on the elevator and go down. And what I was expecting, he's going to have to wait for the elevator to come up. I expected something lighthearted to happen. Uh-huh. And no, he just gets on the elevator and then he gets mad at a video that's playing or something. I, I don't know. I don't the the bad that. guy, the bad guy in this movie is so really unnecessary. I mean, I know Marvel gets a lot of Marvel movie their, problems. Yeah. yeah, is like the third act villain, but this movie didn't need the villain almost at, at all. And it definitely didn't need the whole family drama story. So like the main character is an orphan. He's like an well, abandoned kid or Yeah, he's not an orphan. His parents didn't die or anything, but yeah, he was he was abandoned. Yeah, he's like abandoned at some winter carnival in Philadelphia, which I don't think happens. And because no one was yelling at each other, he gets abandoned. And then like he's three years old and he spends the next 10 or 11 years floating from foster home to foster home all over the greater Pennsylvania area until he ends up with this family in a group home. And then the movie starts. It's so unnecessary. The movie could have just started with him being in this house and just not getting along with everyone just because he's got a lot of issues. And I don't know. I've never read Shazam. I don't think I've read one issue of anything of any Shazam book. I've read different comic books that Shazam has appeared in. So I don't know his backstory or anything like that. Like Mm -hmm. if this is canon or anything like that. But for the most part, I spent most of my time just going, I hate all these characters. Just get back to the main guy and his friend, like (laughs) trying to figure out what his superpowers are because none of this other stuff where they're trying to, it's like they had a checklist of, well, we need a multi ethnic cast but don't worry the two main characters will be white so you know we're good there but everyone around them will be all of different races so we have a a latino kid we have a a black kid we have an asian kid and we've got a white kid and we have a latino dad and uh the white mom which is you know that's I don't have a problem with that, but it's it's as if all these characters were just added. Yeah, it just feels like checkboxes to tick off. Yeah, like, okay, we have uh, African-Americans in this movie, check. We have Asians in this movie, check. You know, nobody can say we didn't have them in the movie. And he doesn't interact with half of them for most of the movie. And then at the end, That's true. when the when the climax is happening, they all love each other. They're all, fam- they start that family nonsense where we're like, we're here to take care of each other and you're just like uh no you don't he doesn't like any of you he he ran away the other night He's- well maybe he likes them then because they all just became superheroes and they managed to do in 30 seconds what it took him two hours to do yeah that's the other thing there are a couple <laughs> moments when they become heroes where i was like oh this is this is clever this is what i wanted from this movie but for the most part i was like they didn't earn any of this none of this is earned it's so bland and the the moments of life in the movie are sometimes played out way too fast or used poorly. Like the one sequence at the end when Shazam is in the air, is his uh, name Shazam? I, I Captain knew you were going to say this part. Um, you know, his name, I guess his name is Shazam. 
Well, no, I guess it's I guess it's both because well, the, his name was originally Captain Marvel, but he would you know say Shazam because Shazam is the wizard's name, and I think over the years it's gotten sort of just kind of melded so that he's become Shazam, Shazam. even though Shazam is really the wizard. Yeah, uh, but and you were saying he's floating in the air. Oh yeah, he's floating in the air, and Mark Strong, who plays the bad guy, whose name I have no idea what his name is, and they're like two blocks away from each other, yeah. and Mark Strong starts doing his supervillain soliloquy uh-huh. or mo- or monologue and then it cuts back to Shazam who's floating there and he's like are you talking? I can't I can't hear what you're saying. Are you talking right? I can see your mouth moving, I think. We're like two blocks away from each other, dude. And then you're like, oh, that's that's pretty funny. I enjoyed that. And then it just keeps going on well, for I, way too long. The reason I knew you were going there was because I literally can only remember that as a moment in the movie <laughs> I liked. It's it's the only thing that I enjoyed that I remember. Oh. I liked most of the stuff with Shazam and the little kid when they're trying to figure out what his powers are, which which I thought was was great, where he just appears and he's like, I don't know what I can do. And then they find out he's bulletproof. And then he goes, maybe it's just the costume. Shoot him in the face. Like, I thought that was really funny. Mm-hmm. And then the scenes just go on for too long. It, it's a shame. There's a great concept there and i think it probably got overproduced to death where they just came in and said well we need more of this we need we need less of that it just has that feeling of too many cooks in the kitchen and someone who's who had an idea got railroaded almost like the first ant-man a little bit where you can tell the edgar wright stuff the the edgar wright stuff really stands out and then the peyton reed stuff is everything else Mm -hmm. and ant-man work i liked ant-man i thought i thought it was fine there's i don't really have a problem with it but this movie it didn't work where the stuff that i liked failed if that makes any sense it's the stuff that i liked i wanted more of and then could have been a lot better is is a much quicker way of saying it could have not been watered down by a bunch of other junk i mean it's not a movie that needs to be what two hours and 20 minutes long or something no it certainly did not this movie could have easily been easily have been an hour 40 yeah it's We spend way too much time with the villain, and then the the whole end sequence is boring. Yeah. Oh, the climax like, is like really not. Yeah. It's not exciting. It's not filmed very excitingly either. It's not done in any sort of interesting way. There's a lot of action going on, but it's not kinetic. It doesn't draw you in. It's not creative, really. And it, and it also like with the kids just learning their powers immediately. It's sort of like. Well, now there's no stakes here. And while they just suddenly get all these powers, the demons are like, hey, you can't catch us. And then they just sort of stop that. Yeah, where Shazam's trying to fight the one demon and he can't make contact with it because it's so ethereal or misty. But then the kids turn into heroes and then they can all just punch these things. Right. Until the end when they're all captured for some reason. We oh, you know what? Happen. There was a funny moment there, too. Where he's like, say my name. And they're like, Alex, or whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah, they all go, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, right. That was funny. That's what I wanted more of. Those little things. It could have been like a, a Guardians of the Galaxy kind of quirky adventure. Instead, it just turns into this bland, half Hallmark Channel garbage. Boy, I didn't uh, love this movie, but the more you talk about it, the more I'm like, man, I really hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I would watch it again if it was on, but I'm not going to go out of my way to see it. I did not care for the Billy Batson kid, but the guy who was Shazam was great. I thought he was terrific. He felt like a little kid in a grown-up's body, which is what the movie's supposed to be. I thought he was spot on with what they were trying to do. The other things I didn't like in this movie, the bully storyline. Oh, yeah. And that begins by the kid who's disabled gets hit by a truck. And then the bullies start kicking him in the guts. Nothing happens. Nothing comes of it. Oh, wait, that's how the the main character becomes Shazam, because he punches those, and that proves he's good of heart, I guess. And then he runs away and gets on the subway. Shazam is an acronym for, like, all these traits that he doesn't actually seem to have any of, other than, like, strength. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't catch that at all. I'm just going to look it up so I can tell you what they are. Okay. The other things that I didn't like were the F storyline of the girl who gets in college, but she's sad about it. Yeah. And she's been working her whole life towards this. And I'm like, okay, don't go to college then. If you got in a Caltech, you can probably get into any local Philadelphia school. You could go to Temple or Villanova, local references, or you could even go to the University of Delaware or Wesley College, Delaware's oldest private college. What? what? Higher education. Get some. I'm just stalling for you to look this thing up. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean you needed to stop doing so. Okay, so there's... S is other the, colleges and cl- sh- shut up, shut up now. So S is the wisdom of Solomon. H is the strength of Hercules. A is the stamina of Atlas. Z is the power of Zeus. A is the courage of Achilles. And then M is the speed of Mercury. I don't know that he proves to have wisdom of Solomon. Well, I don't know about his stamina. We don't really get into that. They're only 14 or so. Courage of Achilles. I don't know if that's in there. I guess he is pretty fast, so maybe he's as fast as Mercury, which... Yeah, he does show off some super speed. Oh, one other thing I didn't like is the sequence where he becomes a hero, where he saves that bus that he destroys. Uh (laughs) Yeah, that's his fault. That bus falls off of probably 95 interstate 95 local reference, and so he is standing beneath it, and he's like, oh, please don't fall, bus. Please don't fall. And then the bus falls, and he catches it. And everyone should be dead. The bus still fell. (laughs) It's still, you stopped it from hitting the ground half a second earlier. Everyone in that bus is still dead. It's very abrupt. Yeah. Although I did like the part where that one dude falls and almost goes through the windshield and Shazam's like, I got an idea. And he goes and gets some nasty mattress and puts it under the bus. And the guy on the bus is like, that's not going to do it, dude. And Shazam is like, oh, shit. Uh... Let me come up with something else. I thought that was clever, but then like the bus falls on him and all I could think is they're all still dead. You didn't stop the bus from falling. Did he not know he could fly yet? No, but they did show that he could jump really high. He definitely could have jumped up to the bus. From what they showed earlier, but he didn't know how to fly yet. He he doesn't learn how to fly until he's fighting the bad guy towards the end. And then he masters it in two seconds, much like Superman and Man of Steel, where he just 
figures it out in 10 seconds. Although that sequence is at least at least interesting to watch for a minute in Man of Steel. Visually, I got I really enjoyed Man of Steel, but the story is just terrible. I got bored by the action mostly. <laughs> Man of Steel, the part that really makes me upset thinking about it, not the Kevin Costner, no nah, no, nah, don't save me wave, is the sequence where he's a bartender in Alaska or something and he's getting picked on by the one trucker guy. And the trucker guy pours beer on his head, so Superman gets his revenge by destroying his livelihood. Yeah, it's a by, little overkill. By destroying that guy's truck. And there's no comeuppance or regret for Superman in any way, and that guy never comes back into the story at all. And I'm just like, Superman just ruined this guy's life. Those truckers have to buy those trucks. Yeah, he poured a beer on your head, Clark. You didn't have to ruin his life over it. You could have just punched him <laughs> and then killed him. <laughs> he could have just punched his head clean off his shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't you just do that? You're so rude. And then back in Shazam, when Superman <laughs> shows up, I did not care for that. I was like, oh, man, they couldn't get Henry Cavill to show up, or they knew he wasn't going to be in any more of these movies. I was pretty indifferent to it. I think I was just I was, glad the movie was over. Yeah. When it was done, I was like, oh, I'm disappointed, but I'm glad I didn't see it in theaters. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you're disappointed. I expected you to enjoy it more than that. Yeah. The I mean, parts I enjoyed, I really did enjoy. I don't like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm sorry for your disappointment. I liked it more than Aquaman. Well, yeah, that's because it wasn't just god awful the whole time. Yeah. When did Aquaman come out? Did we see that at Christmas last year? Sounds right. And then Shazam came out after that, which is why they have that sequence where he's like pretending to talk to the fish. And the one kid's like, oh, or you could command an army of a billion fish. And Shazam is like, oh, yeah, that would be pretty cool. And I'm like, nope, the Aquaman movie was terrible. You were better than Aquaman, Shazam. Stand up for yourself. And by the way, Aquaman didn't do jack with fish. He didn't do anything. At one point, he rides a dolphin, I think, or, or he's on a giant seahorse. A seahorse monster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well. That's all I got so, on Shazam. I guess that's the end of Shazam. All right. So Lake Mungo is a movie that kept coming up on my feed, whether it was like Netflix or Amazon. I kept seeing it and reading the description, but then not watching it. Mm -hmm. And I think it might have been because it looked like it might have been a found footage movie. But what it actually is, is a mockumentary, like not a humorous one. But like a you know ah, fake documentary, right? And it's Australian. And good day, yeah. <laughs> it's a <laughs> there's a young lady who dies at the beginning from drowning, and you're seeing a documentary about the things that happen regarding like her family after this drowning. Uh -huh. You see them sort of. It's all talking, you know, in retrospect. It still sort of goes in order as if the documentarians kind of ask them to tell the story in order. It unfolds still in a pretty linear way. Is it the story of how this girl drowned or everything that's happening after she drowned? Everything that's happened since then. So okay. it's like, yeah, she drowned. We were all hanging out at the lake and then she just wasn't there. And then afterwards, they talk to a psychic. This movie actually manages to have 
some plot twists, which is interesting. And as sort of a horror movie goes, it manages to get creepier along the way. I don't think it gets particularly creepy, but I still think it's a good movie. And I think what it's doing, it does pretty well. The acting in it's really, really good. The people are extremely good at pretending that they are really in a documentary. The way that they show emotions is very like restrained. The father in particular stood out to me as being really good at trying to be sort of stoic and like... Mm-hmm either just having his eyes kind of solidly fixed or trying to smile in places where you would be sad, you know, just like because you're fighting your feelings. And he's he's really good at it. I've, I've seen a lot of people who are good at just acting with their expression of their eyes, but this guy's good at keeping his eyes kind of watery, but trying to hold back, but then having his mouth do the acting for him. There's one scene where he just swallows and that's it. And I'm like, man, that was really effective. Mm-hmm. Why is there a documentary being made? Like, what's the concern? seat like behind this girl why are they interested in making this movie it's about her having been having gone missing or having been drowned but then also what's happening to the family after that so the ordeals that they have with people they try to talk to and figure out what happened but then also things that are more paranormal she starts showing up in pictures and things like that and so it's like oh you know what's then they're like oh you know then stuff started happening around the house we sort of noticed these things and everyone in the family kind of responds a bit differently like there's a a son you know the, the the girl's brother who was pretty close with her and he's sort of shutting down and the mom's talking about how she sort of picks up these weird behaviors that are like kind of compulsive she starts going into like other people's houses and stuff and the dads like they talk to people who like work with him and they're like yeah we didn't really know what to what to say to him and it's like oh yeah that sounds like a dad you know where they're like he kind of keeps to himself anyway so he'd sort of just keep working and we'd kind of let him because you don't want him like make him talk about stuff and it does a really good job of just seeming like a real documentary like there are awkward shots of people whoever did this must have just sat there and written notes down about like what do documentaries do And, you know, one thing that documentaries do is, like, a lot of the time you'll see these awkward shots of people as sort of like an introduction to them. And they have this expression on their face, like, am I supposed to be saying something or just standing here? And so there are a couple of those. There are a lot of photographs in the movie. And, like, some of them are just really... They just seem really real. Like there was one picture where they're talking about the son and the the daughter being friends, like like being really tight with each other. And they show a picture of them like horse playing. And it Mm -hmm. seems almost like, uh, I don't know a whole lot of brothers and sisters that kind of tussle that way physically, but it's still really convincing because there's the mom's just standing in the background, not looking towards the camera or anything at all. And it's just like, oh, that looks like a really candid picture. There there are certain kinds of conflicts that come up between different characters. I don't want to get into too much but you know you don't actually see them really interacting with each other much and you don't see any sort of conflict it's not played up for drama in terms of like you see them yelling at each other or anything but you see them talk about the conflict and it's like oh this actually really works for storytelling too and and seeming like a documentary and in the end i I gotta say like i thought this was a pretty pretty solid movie really really well done Maybe not the most exciting thing in the world. I think some of the creepy stuff other people might find more creepy than I did. But I think if you appreciate how people put a movie together, if you appreciate what they're trying to do and making it seem like a documentary and and the acting that's in it, it's really actually impressive. It's just not a very 
dramatic movie. Um, so okay. there were a couple times where I like found myself checking my phone and stuff. So don't watch it looking for the most exciting thing in the world. But if you're just looking for quality, I think you'll find it here. That sounds cool. I'm interested. Yeah. I, I think you would like um, it a lot. I think you'd really appreciate the, the art of it and the quality of it. What you're describing reminds me of... Did we see the last exorcism together? The last exorcism. I That's the one where they're following around this exorcist dude in the south and he i guess he's like a a shyster and he's like making this movie and he's like i'm out of the game after this kind of thing yes and the movie was pretty damn good until the end when when it became awful and it ruined the whole movie (laughs) if i'm remembering right i've only seen it the one time but i distinctly remember thinking this movie was great oh god what just happened this is terrible now Oh, man. So but, I've, but I remember that so vaguely. Much different than The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which I think came out the same summer. Oh, that was really bad. Yeah. And boring. Uh, especially once you said, she has schizophrenia. <laughs> and you're like... <laughs> and I was like, oh, why is this the two-hour movie? <laughs> why didn't anybody say that? <laughs> but what you're saying, like, The Last Exorcism was, was a well-done mockumentary-style movie. Okay. Lake Mungo. Yeah. Sounds, sounds cool. I think I might check that out sometime. So then that brings me to the last movie I watched today. I watched Wonder Woman Bloodlines from 2019, directed by Justin Copeland and Sam Liu. And this movie has Sam Liu's stink all over it. Is that the guy who does the the real bad pauses and stuff? Yup, he sure does. And I hated this movie. I hated it from the third minute in, I think. Maybe the fourth. The beginning is not terrible, but it gets terrible really quick. It doesn't help that Wonder Woman is played by Rosario Dawson, who I can't really stand. Uh, And for the most of the time in this movie, she's just reading her lines. For the first time? Yeah, basically. So you remember how fun and charming the Wonder Woman film was? The one that was live action? This movie is none of that, but we get to rehash Wonder Woman's origin story all over again. But in modern times-ish... Because it starts five years ago when I guess there was a Justice League movie or something where Apocalypse was attacking the Earth because it says five years ago and the guy Steve, the Chris Pine character, is in a fighter jet above the Atlantic for some reason. And he gets attacked by these, whatever the monsters from Apocalypse are called, demon wings or whatever. And his plane, his jet crashes in the waters of Themyscira. And Wonder Woman sees him crash, and she rescues him, and he's horribly burned because the monster breathed fire all over him, so his face is burned, and he's got a bad burn on his arm. But she rescues him, and he, like, blacks out, and when he wakes up, he's like, am I dead? And she's like, nope. And he goes, well, you're an angel. And I'm like, ugh. God. And then there's this purple ray of light spraying down on his arm, and he realizes that his arm is horribly burned, and he's like, oh my god! And she's like, no, don't move. The healing process hasn't finished. And then, like a second later, all of his wounds are completely healed. And he goes, that was amazing. What was that? She goes, oh, that's the purple ray of healing. And he goes, oh, well, what's it called? And she goes, the purple ray of healing. And I went, eh, that was funny. 
And that was the last time I smiled. <laughs> and there was <laughs> and there was an hour and 20 minutes left of this movie. Oh, boo. Oh, man. They rehash the whole thing where she steals like her armor and sword and lasso of truth. But before she leaves, she has a duel with her mom, the queen of Themyscira. She loses to her mom, but her mom's like, all right, you can go, but don't ever come back. And she's like, okay. And then sh- they leave. And then we're in Washington, D.C., and they're in a car driving somewhere and that guy Steve is dressed out in his like military blues and his secretary is there and they're talking about where they're going and it's to some woman named Julia's house and she's very excited to meet Diana because she's an archaeologist and who knows more about human history than Wonder Woman so they get there and this woman has a daughter named Vanessa who has red hair Uh And her and Wonder Woman become quick friends for like a minute. And then this woman who's real hard on her daughter, but loves Wonder Woman, the daughter feels like her mother's rejecting her for Wonder Woman. And she becomes this real goth girl as we catch up to the present day, as she becomes like gothy and her posters in her room go from flowers to skulls and you're like oh and then she shaves part of her head and she's real edgy and she wears a collar you know because she's really goth and so you're like okay so they're all sitting in the living room and that guy steve is there and they're like diana we're ready and he's like she's really nervous about this and then wonder woman walks into the room and she's not wearing the colorful costume from themiscura she's wearing the bland justice league animated movies costume she she wears all the time that's like blue and red and she goes do you like it and all i can think is you stole the armor from your people <laughs> because it was important to you. Why are you wearing this costume now? Like, what is the point of this except to like connect it to these other movies? And Vanessa, the goth girl, is like, oh, I don't like it. But if you're happy, then I'm happy. And Wonder Woman's like, oh, I'm so happy. Thank you, sisters. And then they say, by the way, what's the government's code name for you? And guess what it is? Wonder Woman. It is Wonder Woman. You got it right. Wow. Remember when we when you saw Wonder Woman and how they never refer to her as Wonder Woman? That's just the name of the movie. Right. And you never get that moment in the movie that you kind of thought was always coming where Uh they go, wow, she really is a Wonder Woman. Yeah. That happens about three times in this movie. I'm not exaggerating. Well, sounds pretty bad. (laughs) It's really bad. I I hated it. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. But I will. This is Check it this out. wasn't this yeah, this wasn't Batman and Harley Quinn bad, no. but it's so all over the place. Wonder Woman herself looks terrible. Like the, like the way she's bad. the way she's drawn, she's got such jagged lines all over her face and yeah, I don't and like just, that style. No, it's and the the guy isn't drawn like that. The dude is drawn he's basically GI Joe and he looks the way you expect, but Wonder Woman's supposed to be this beautiful, tall, powerful woman and she just kind of looks like a dude, which is, you know, she she's not a dude. She doesn't look like a dude. <laughs> And the other women in the movie don't look like that. Like, the other women in the movie are drawn with... And, and again, don't get me wrong, not all women have to have to look a certain way. Except but this, clothes. She can look however she wants. She just looks like a bird while doing it. 
And this character's supposed to be attractive, but the way the the movie portrays her is you're like, is she attractive? I don't I'm just not sure. And it's poorly done. What's this bad story? Bloodlines? Yeah. Bad story. The villains form a group and they call themselves Villains Incorporated. Cheetah or Cheetara. I can't remember which one is from Thundercats. I feel like Cheetara is from Thundercats. So I think this girl's name is Cheetah. She shows yeah. up and she's supposed to be in the new Wonder Woman movie, like the one that comes out next year. Right. And I'm like, oh, this is what that character is? No, not interested. This movie made me not want to see the next Wonder Woman movie. That's too bad. Because one, one of the villains is called Dr. Poison. She's in the movie. And then the other villain is Cyber. And she's just the Dr. Doom, but she also looks like she's Cobra from G.I. Joe, like the logo of Cobra. And then Cheetah is there, and Cheetah attacks wonder woman when they go to fight this this whole sequence and she does like yeah villains inc offered me stock options in their company and i'm like the hell does that mean it's not a publicly traded company like <laughs> like what is what does that even mean they make their money stealing things like are you just gonna get money what are you talking about movie and i found that very aggravating the well end. looking at these scenes from the movie i don't think she looks like a man but she definitely looks like they took a bunch of polygons or you know like geometric shapes and stuck them together Mm-hmm. Even like her arms just look like, oh, instead of a muscle, that's a hexagon. One of the trivia items for this movie from the IMDb is Wonder Woman is able to fly in this cartoon. Neato. Zero of three people found that interesting. <laughs> her invisible jet comes into play, but that's because G.I. Joe's secretary stole it from the military. So they fly around in that all the time on their missions. Not if she even needed if she can fly. Exactly. Exactly. Stupid. <laughs> Just aggravating. So, Matt, it's time for that. It's that time of the week where we add the movies we've seen to our movie rankings list. All right. Let's do it. Now, you saw one movie, Mungo Lake. No. Nope. Lake Mungo. Lake Mungo. <laughs> <laughs> Mungo Jerry. Yeah, I am going to... I originally put this a little lower, and now that I'm looking at my list, I'm realizing that one of the things that's out of place is that I put Spider-Man Far From Home above Bumblebee, and I shouldn't have. I have fond memories of Bumblebee. <laughs> the further I get from <laughs> Spider-Man Far From Home, the more I hate that movie. <laughs> so anyway, I'm moving, I originally had Lake Mungo under Snowpiercer. I'm going to move it up, and it's going to go between 10 Cloverfield Lane and John Wick Chapter 3. Wow, all the way up there into the new number 17 spot. Yeah, it, it, and you know, it's, it was lower because I was thinking about how much I enjoyed it, and now it's higher because I'm just thinking about how good it actually is. I think the quality is really good. Just really well executed. Yeah. Well, it's good. And how many stars out of five would you give it? You know, I think I'm going to give it four. Wow. Four stars. And I'm guessing that's a total recommend. (laughs) It is a recommend. I don't know. Maybe it should be three and a half. It's Uh, too late now. It's entered. Cool, then. We'll just give it four. (laughs) How about you? Uh, Are you putting yours? Now, my movie ranking list, I'm going to start from the top and work my way down. I'm going to put Penguins above Bumblebee, but below Creep. 
into the new number 37 spot. All right. I'm going to give this movie two and a half stars, and I would recommend it. In certain situations, I'd say, yeah, check it out. There's nothing wrong with it. It's fine. I'd say if you haven't seen March of the Penguins, watch that instead. But if you've seen March of the Penguins and you want some more Penguin action, check out Penguins. And so then the next movie I saw was Shazam. And that movie is going to go... Boy, Betrayed should be much higher. Can't believe I put that so low. I'm gonna put Shazam Shipmunk Adventure. What the hell? <laughs> I'm gonna put Shazam above in the heart of the sea, but below in the mouth of madness into the new number 52 spot. And I'm gonna give this movie two stars feels too low, but three is definitely too high. I'm gonna give it two and a half, but it's it's close. I'm not happy about that decision. <laughs> would I recommend it, though? I don't think I would. No, I would not. I'm going to say no, which also feels wrong. Well, a little surprising. Uh, it's too late. I already entered it in. Now, Wonder Woman Bloodlines. I'm going to put above... Oh, my God. Does it go under the Robin Hood alley? I would rather watch that 2018 Robin Hood movie again than wow. this movie. So this is going to go in between Robin Hood 2018 and Barbie as Princess and the Pauper into the new number 88 slot. I'm going to give this movie one star. That is a no. So that's the end of that. If you are interested in seeing our list, you can check us out on Letterboxd. You can find a link to our Letterboxd page by going to our website, thisweekinfilm.com, and Matt, have you anything to plug this week for Midwest Matt? recommends i am trying right now to bring this thing up so there I, I just wanted to see what the entire title was so i am gonna recommend a graphic novel called logic comics that's all one word an epic search for truth aside from any tool albums it's probably my favorite work of art it's just amazing it's about the life of bertrand russell philosopher or i think he went by logician i think he won an award maybe even like a nobel award for like coming up with a way that we could know something with certainty but then he debunked his own thing and was like oh really i want to find something we can prove and the whole book is really about that but it's also like it kind of walks you through a lot of philosophy it's definitely not like accurate in terms of like you have philosophers interacting with each other who aren't actually in the same debates or alive at the same time but it illustrates things in an interesting way and i just think it's a great book okay logic comics yeah l-o-g-i-c-o-m-i-x oh okay an epic search for truth and it's just one long story kind of a thing or yeah it's it one big graphic novel all right great that sounds cool do you have anything else for this week no, I think that's it. All right, that's all I have, so I guess if that is the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in the film. Judge movies, not people. <laughs> Wonder Woman has an angular face. <laughs>